0: Hi everyone, Shavua Tov. I hope you all had a great Shabbat. I wanted to discuss a very important subject today, which is balancing spirituality and physicality in order to truly live an awesome life, right? We all desire and yearn to feel our best and be our best and wake up every morning feeling motivated, inspired, strong, and productive, right? We wanna feel the pleasure of life, life itself, truly experience life and be happy through the journey. And the question really becomes for us how right? How do we do that? Imagine we can wake up every day, light on our feet, high energy, high focus, clarity, feeling strong and confident and courageous to take on the day. Feeling like the day has meaning, where we're living fulfilling lives, right? Where we feel that what we do has purpose, has impact, has reason. Imagine where we could just be ourselves and feel good about being ourselves. Where we feel connected to ourselves, to the earth, to others, to Hashem. And this is ultimately really what we all dream for, I think. Right? The dream is to live through truly living, being the best we could be and feel good about what's going on, where just being outside and active and productive makes us happy and content and fulfilled. So again, the question is, how do we get there? And it's really about understanding certain principles that are going to then dictate our behavior and beliefs, which will then of course lead to the lives that we're describing here, right? Of living presently, of feeling the pleasure of life itself so we can focus on the living part. And it's fairly simple, right? But it takes work, and we're going to dive into all of this together. And we're going to answer some fascinating questions on the way. Like, are we a soul with a body? Or are we a body with a soul? Are we in a physical world infused with spirituality? Or are we in a spiritual world infused with physicality? Is Hashem in everything? Or is everything in Hashem? And the answers to these questions really provide the answer to our goals above, right? That we're talking about, about living our best life. So, so let's, let's get into it. The first thing we need to understand, okay? Physical pleasure... Physical stimulation, right? Physical indulgence is inversely correlated. It's negatively related to spiritual pleasure and spiritual stimulation. What does that mean? In very simple plain English, basically the more physically stimulated we are, the more we immerse ourselves in physical pleasure, the less we experience spiritual pleasure and spiritual stimulation, right? The less we experience and enjoy the inherent pleasures of life, of just being alive. So for example, the more we indulge in foods and sweets, right for example and given to our cravings for the pleasure of the moment the less we'll have pleasure in, let's say, the quiet moments of being with ourselves or the simple moments of day-to-day life. And you might be wondering, like, what's the correlation there? What does my addiction to uh, sweets have to do with the pleasure of me sitting and reading a book? And and, and we'll, we'll see in a minute why. But but that's but that's the idea, though. The more we indulge, uh, let's get another example. The more we indulge in, let's say, you know, God forbid, uh, alcohol and drugs, we're getting a little bit more serious now, but the more we indulge in things like that and substances and stimulate ourselves and alter our state, the less we'll enjoy the experience of Being around family, or uh, the less we'll feel high looking at landscapes of nature, or the less we'll feel good and locked in and zoned in at work, right? And the unfortunate thing about that, about what we're saying, is that. Those are the moments that predominantly make up our life, right? We're saying family, work, alone time. Those moments make up most of our life. So for the little pleasure that we're getting in the temporary moments of physical pleasure, when we're immersing in physical indulgence, we're giving up the eternal, infinite pleasure that we could be experiencing every other moment of our day, right? When we're tapped in and connected. So this is the first principle we need to understand. Wherever we put the stimulation, the other areas struggle. So the idea that a person can stimulate himself with candy and junk food and alcohol and Lashon Haran parties whenever he wants and do all that and still try to get high as a kite while praying or taking a walk or having a conversation or working in the office is impossible. If a person is chasing physicality and then expects to feel deeply connected and spiritual while learning or if a person chases whatever his eyes and heart's desires and then expects to feel elevated and airy when looking at a waterfall or feel deeply in love and passionate when looking into his lover's eyes, his wife's eyes, then these are false notions. This is a pipe dream because it's against every spiritual law. It just can't happen. We either lead with our bodies or we lead with our souls. And depending what we lead with is going to change the way we experience life, right? If we lead with our bodies, we will need more and more physical to satisfy our short-term pleasure needs. And it's usually immediate gratification that leaves us feeling empty, right? It's usually things that don't last and stay with us. Um, and if we lead with our souls, it's the opposite. We can enjoy the inherent essence in everything, in life itself, right? Including the physical, because the physical ultimately also has spiritual. So basically, if we want to wake up high on life and happy and be happy to be alive and get stimulated and inspired by just everyday things like the yellow sun and the blue sky and the flowers, and we want to feel motivated and determined at work, and we want to feel good about ourselves and our health and our state of mind, body, and soul, and we want to have you know meaningful relationships and peaceful, beautiful relationships, and we want to thrive in all these different spiritual and psychological waves. We simply cannot be indulging in physical pleasures or stimulating ourselves physically all the time. We can't. We just can't do it. Um, When we chase the physical, the spiritual runs. So the question becomes how, right? Now what? Great. So how do we do this? I mean, we live in a physical world, don't we? I mean, we're, we're constantly bombarded and attracted by physicality. So there's really two answers to this to start, right? The first is that, you know, the answer to the questions we ask, like, are we a soul with a body or a body with a soul? Are we in a physical world with spirituality or are we in a spiritual world with physicality? Is is Hashem in everything or is everything in Hashem, right? The answers to these questions really depend on what the person being asked the question is doing, right? How the person is living. So, for example, a person who's completely immersed in the physical, That person is a body with a soul right living in a physical world with hidden spirituality the person experiences everything as physical by default and has to dig deep and work hard to see or find or feel the spiritual and that's even if he can do that right which we'll see shortly why it's difficult for a person like this to do so but but a person who's living more in the spiritual like who's very into the spiritual piece he's a soul with a body right he's living in a spiritual world that has a physical element, this person sees and connects to everything spiritually. And the physical is really just like a costume. Um, So so what's unique, and what's interesting about what I'm saying is, these two people can be looking at the same exact thing, experiencing the same exact thing, and have two totally different feelings about it, right, and experience it completely differently. And, and not only because their brains or perceptions are different, which is true at the superficial level, right? But it's because their beliefs are different. And even more deeply, their spiritual state is different. One is experiencing life with spiritual clarity, while the other is experiencing life with spiritual concealment because they're in the physical you know and yet they're living in the same world so food for example could be pleasurable to two people right food could be pleasurable to two completely different people but to one person it's useful fuel and to the other person it can be damaging and debilitating god forbid you know where it's not good for them it's really all about what we feed and how we lead right depending on where we focus that's going to be where we live It, it it literally alters our state and it actually changes the world to us it changes the experience of the world Um, And by the way, this is the famous water glass question that, that they always bring up in psychology, right? Two people can look at half a glass of water and see two completely different things, right? One person would say, oh, it's half full. And the other person would say, oh, it's half empty. And and it's funny because we always praise the half full guy, right? And bash the half empty guy. But I have news for you. They're both right. It's both true. The state of the glass is that it's both half full and half empty at the same exact time. But they experience the reality differently depending on the state of their mind, body, and soul, right? Which literally alters the state of the glass. For the happy person, it's truly half-full, and for the sad person, it's truly half-empty. Meanwhile, objectively speaking, it's both. There really is no right answer. It's, it's, it's weird, but it's, it's an interesting concept. So, back to our topic. When a person is stimulating himself physically and not getting enough spiritually, the issue is that the immediate gratification of the physical, which is just a small temporary pleasure, it's taking him away from the much greater, more potent and sustainable and enjoyable pleasure, which is the pleasure of life itself, right? The pleasure of the spiritual. So the cheap sampler that the person's enjoying at the moment, right? The crumbs that he's eating of the temporary, you know, higher indulgence, those crumbs of enjoyment is taking away from the much bigger, uh, let's call it the cake of enjoyment that life itself has to offer. He's getting full on the crumbs when the whole cake is waiting for him. And, and that's where the first problem lies. You know, the main reason we feel deprived or empty or anxious and uncomfortable with our situations and lives, no matter how much we earn or how much we do and obtain, is because we're feeding our physical bodies, right? We're feeding our physical bodies crumbs and we're not nourishing our souls. We're not giving our souls the substance that they need. It's like it's like when you're hungry and you eat junk food, right? You ever do this where, you know, a, a person can pound 15 bags of potato and three gallons of soda and still be hungry and thirsty, right? And it's because they're eating, right? But they're not nourishing themselves. They're filling their bodies with this artificial matter. They're chewing, they're swallowing, they're digesting. But but it's not food. It's not helpful. It's like filling a car with a full tank of water it doesn't matter how full the car is the tank or, or how much you're putting in the car is not going to drive it's still going to say on empty so it's the same idea here maybe you know we're reading psychology books self-help books we're taking seminars we're seeing therapists we're working hard and work we're making money we're hustling we're trying to make deals and get rich right we're, we're working out in the gym we want muscles and six packs you know we're jogging we're doing and yet we might still feel empty right we might feel there's stuff lacking and it's because all those things may be feeding only the material parts of ourselves the physical aspect of life but but not the soul, not the spiritual, which is the real lens through which we experience life. Now, now that's, of course, only if these things are done with the wrong intentions or kavanot or for the wrong reasons, right? Because all these things are obviously, they could be good things, right? If we're doing them and experiencing them with our soul first and body second, right? Because work does make people happy and fulfilled. Eating healthy and going to the gym does make a person feel good. Self-help books do help people, right? We're just saying that without the spiritual, the physical itself won't be enough and with the spiritual, the positive effects are compounded significantly so so that's that's that 's really the crucial piece here and to give a few examples, you know a person making money in work you know might see dollar signs for cars and parties and experience it in flashes of pleasure right or a person making money could see a nice lifestyle right charity supporting family doing good with the money. Um, and and feel a deep, confident sense of, of of self and contentment and pleasure for life. So so you see, there's two different experiences happening there. Or, or let's take the guy working out, right? A person working out just to have a body to attract the eyes and compliments of others can experience it nicely, maybe at moments, but also with the ego and pride and praise and all the insecurities and negative side effects that come with all that you know contrary to the person who lets he's working out for the sake of health and wellness and feeling good and instead attracts the world to himself right from his natural glow of doing it purposefully with a strong conviction and intention doing it right um the reality is the spirituality behind all physicality is the key right to maximizing the physical that's the only way because then the pleasure becomes spiritual in addition to the physical so it's blessed Um, And then, of course, there's complete no-nos altogether, right? A person cannot excessively drink alcohol and take drugs and claim they're chasing a spiritual experience. You know, it's a spiritual journey and we see things and we're, you know, it's an experience and it's spiritual. It's nonsense, right? Spirituality. Exists to help us live and be healthy, not die and be unhealthy, right? We're meant to live by spirituality, not die by it. And spirituality is supposed to give us life and focus and energy and, and all good things that infuse us with health after it stimulates us. It's not supposed to drain us and change us chemically, right? And and even even in religion, it's the same case with some of the rituals, right? The Baal Shem Tov even says, he says, holy fasting when extreme and asceticism and all that, like physical deprivation, it's not necessary to reach spiritual heights, right? It's prayer, it's Torah study, and it's dipping in the mikveh, it's mitzvah. It's good character traits, it's gratitude, it's positivity. That's the stuff that feeds the soul. That's how you get naturally high, right? Limiting the physical addictions and cravings, fine. Like, get rid of the bad stuff, for sure. Like, limit the physical addictions, limit the cravings, right? Look for the spiritual within the physicality. Do more of the spiritual. And, and, and like we sort of referenced, really just working on our minds, right? To think positive, think with gratitude. That's where it all lies. That's that's why, by the way, when we reflect on our blessings, right? Or we have a great Torah learning or a great prayer, or we do chesed or mitzvah or visit a grandparent or or help someone sick or whatever it is, or we host guests, right? We feel great about ourselves. I mean, we, we feel so good. It's like no matter what happened that day or the day before, like we feel good when we do these things right after we do them, right? Because we feed our souls in that way. Like that's, we're feeding our souls. We invest it in ourselves spiritually. It fills us. we literally feel full literally and content so so if we feel ourselves lacking meaning in our lives or feeling empty we need to reflect to see if we're starving spiritually so that's that's the first idea here that that we need to understand and and this should make us realize how powerful of an impact we can have in our lives if we replace the negative behavior that we're talking about right like the negative physicality piece with a positive spiritual one so for example when we feel down and out and we're craving stimulation or an escape instead of running to immediate gratification like food or alcohol or our phones We can go into positive action and pick up a book, or listen to a Torah audio, or call a friend. We need to figure out what our triggers are, right? We need to figure out what our negative physical responses are to triggers and find an alternative spiritual response that will elevate ourselves rather than take away from us, right? And when I say spiritual, I don't just mean non-physically related things. This also means good physical things, good healthy things, right? Like working out and eating healthy, right? So if we feel tired, and that usually leads us to drink six cups of coffee, maybe instead of caffeinating ourselves sick, right? We instead get up and do jumping jacks and push ups and take a cold shower. Or if we feel hungry, if we usually run towards fried foods and candy, no, maybe now instead you go get a piece of fruit, or we make a you know a healthy chocolate bark. There's a lot of good recipes, but the point is we need to just replace the action we take after our emotional triggers from bad ones to good ones right when we want to escape our reality or a stressful situation instead of running to a cigarette or to alcohol run towards a nice walk outside or a cup of tea over some music or a nice book um, when we feel uh, uh, let's say uh, you know unmotivated and unstimulated right instead of doom scrolling on Instagram Run to Torah. And it might not feel good, by the way. It's not gonna feel good at the beginning. It's not gonna feel comfortable to do these things, right? To have these responses after these triggers because we're wired that way. We're not used to it. We're trying to rewire ourselves, right? We've become so accustomed to these unhealthier and more quickly stimulating behaviors that it's gonna take time to getting used to the good stuff, right? But, but we gotta flip a switch. We need to change our responses. We need to get to a more spiritually healthy, productive place. Um, and if we do this, right? If we make, if we, if we make these changes, Immediately, our life's gonna get better. Immediately. And by the way, we can also set a principle. Like, if we make all negative thoughts, right? Let's say if you have a negative thought or a negative feeling or a negative situation, if something pops up, instead of letting it trigger all the negative behavior, let it trigger positive spiritual action, right? Immediately imagine now how much our lives will change and grow and improve at such a faster rate. Because now, instead of buckling or collapsing or giving into negative habits and behaviors every time a difficult situation comes up, because by the way, hate to break it to all of us, but life's difficult, it's gonna always pop up, right? Now, every time a challenge comes up, we're automatically galvanized into action, right? Towards positive, constructive, productive, proactive growth. So now, we're not only growing when things are good, we're also growing when things are perceivably bad. We're growing at all times, and we're not only undoing the bad we do, uh, we're disassociating ourselves from what got us there in the first place, right? So if a person's feeling down about feeling lazy, oh, I'm so lazy, and this, that, okay, jump up, work out, uh, do jumping jacks. Now, what is, what is he doing? He's showing himself that he's no longer tired and lazy, and he doesn't have to feel bad, Right? If a person's feeling bad about being unproductive, uh, oh, I procrastinate, right? Okay, so instead of doom scrolling on Instagram, which is only reinforcing that, right? Jump up, read a book, go to a class, uh, you know, and then you'll see, uh, oh, I'm not so lazy, I'm not so bored. So we have to take ourselves out of the state that gets us to do the negative action that we're complaining about in the first place, right? When we do good and replace the bad with good, right? Although it may feel unnatural at the beginning, at least it'll give us hope that we can change and give us encouraging, empowering feelings by us just seeing the progress. And, and that's really the, 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 the first part of this audio. That's this section, which is like recognizing that we need to minimize the, 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 the physical indulgence, increase the spiritual, and change our behaviors from you know, the first piece to the second piece. Now... We can't talk about positive spiritual action, right, and replacing negative physical action without mentioning the Torah. Okay, Rabbi Arush talks about this all the time. He says, listen, every resolution and good decision we make is good, but the most useful resolution to enhance our lives and productivity and joy is, without question, Torah. No matter how small of an amount of time that we're going to spend studying, Torah is, is number one. Why? There's a bunch of reasons, right? For one, Rabbi Arush writes that the holy books say that the light within the Torah causes a person to improve naturally and automatically, right? The Torah has the power to subjugate our Yetzirah for us, right? That overwhelms us and prevents us from, from doing the right thing. And it helps us naturally be better and naturally make better decisions, right? As the Gemara says, it says, Hashem, Hashem says, I created the Yetzirah and I created the Torah as the antidote, right? He created the Torah as the medicine for the Yetzerah. So learning Torah is itself an automatic way to help our good inclination overcome our evil inclination. That's like straight up, right? So naturally learning Torah will improve ourselves and and it'll increase our chances of making the best decisions for ourselves and to overcome, you know, the pull that physicality has on us. And what's great is there's really not many obstacles, right, when it comes to learning Torah. It's a big deal. There's a lot of books available. There's a lot of audios available. There's a lot of local classes. Ten minutes a day. That's all it takes, ten minutes a day. And then also the Torah, naturally, when we sharpen ourselves spiritually, our perception improves where we can now see Hashem more in things, and we see the good in things. And naturally, again, it'll help us, uh, run away from the foolishness of, of our negative habits and maybe make a little bit better decisions, which which we're going to talk about in a little bit also. But but anyway, that's that's really mainly why the Torah is so important to talk about, about implementing it into our schedule. And and by the way, the Gemara even says this. The Gemara says that the essence of a person's character, right, the measure of his success also is really corresponding to his knowledge or awareness, right? Because it's that awareness that enables us to make the right decisions like we're saying. And that's why it's, it's Torah so key because studying Torah helps us automatically by just increasing our awareness, right? It gives us clarity on the world, like I said. And, and again, we'll talk more about this later, but I just wanted to make sure that point was made. Another thing with the Torah also, before we move on, is when we're tested, right, Rabbi Rush says this, when we're under pressure or we're angry or we're vulnerable, right, our minds are not settled, so we behave in unhealthy ways, right, that we might otherwise not do if we were in a good state or if we were being our best selves, right, when we're down and out, when we had a rough day, when we're going through a rough time, a lot of times we'll just make bad decisions that we might not have done if things were good. So so we usually fail there, right, but but if we learn Torah and acquire awareness, the odds are a little bit more in our favor. We might still fall, but listen, there's a faint imprint of the awareness of the Torah that's still with us, that helps protect us and guide us and help us be a little more stable than we would have, right? When we learn Torah, at the end of the day, when we learn Torah, when we learn truth, the Yetzirah doesn't have the power to discount the truth. We could always go back to the Torah, we could always go back to our emunah, to our bitachon, to the fact that if we do the right thing, Hashem will take care of us, the fact that we can do teshubah when we stumble. and And, and that's very, very important because us knowing the truth, even if we fall, at least we can do Teshuvah because we know we know how to pick ourselves back up. And, and that's important because Teshuvah helps us reset, right? Teshuvah actually helps us weaken the negative habits we're talking about. And that's why the sages tell us to do Teshuvah on something, even if we know we're going to do that same something again. Because the very act of Teshuvah itself resets our minds and souls to the status of having never done it. So our minds and souls now are not going to get used to doing the sin, right? God forbid. Where we're, we're now at least we know every time we do the sin, even though we're repeating it, we still know it's wrong. We still know we have to do Teshuvah again. It just keeps us in check. And and if we do the same sin again and again without the Teshuvah, God forbid, eventually we start feeling that we're doing nothing wrong. That's just nature. It's, 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 it's a spiritual, physical, and psychological law, right? But if we keep doing the sin again and again, the same amount of times as our previous example, but this time we're doing Teshuvah in between, the sin will never become kosher to us. So, so when we're learning Torah, even when we fail, even when we fall, right, we're in a good position because we understand we're, we're not in the best place and we we need to do Teshba, we need to improve and this, that, and whatever. But but when the when the Yetzirah tries to bang us up, how does it try to confuse us through the things we're saying? Food, phones, drugs, alcohol, anything else that we run to to escape in unhealthy ways? That's 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 what we want to protect ourselves from. And and and, and if we don't have the Torah, it might be hard to pull out of that. With the Torah, we know we're doing something wrong. We're constantly trying to improve. Um, and by the way, the Yetzirah also does this with non-physical things, right? It does it with psychological things, meaning... You know, there are some of us that we might say, we don't run to escapes, we don't drink, we don't eat, we don't uh, use the phone, nothing. But, okay, but some of us that, let's say, don't have... The physical aspect, some of us psychologically get into a a rut, right? We get stuck. We get down. We get sad. We get depressed. And the Yetzirah here disguises itself as a mitzvah, saying, oh, your sadness and depression is good. You're repenting. You're regretting. You know, you need to improve. you want to change? So so when we're mad about something, right, in our lives, when we did something wrong or we feel we didn't do something good, we should have, we could have, right? The Yetzirah now wants us to be dejected. It wants us to be upset the whole day and be down. But that's a lie. Like, that disconnects us completely. Like, sadness disconnects us completely. We're supposed to do Teshubah. we we'll get up and get going. That's it. Otherwise, we're going to sit. and sulk and be sad, And that's it. And then that's, by the way, that's when the Yitzhak sells us his advice, right? He says, oh, you want joy? You want to feel better from this pain of regret? But, oh, get drunk. Act wild. Not proper. Not proper. So, so that's part of why we need to have this, uh, this awareness. Very important. Next. Now, we need to realize on the other side of the coin, we can't do everything good always, right? What do I mean? There are times we get discouraged and upset when we feel we didn't do everything we should have, or could have, or would have, right? Like, this is when our Yetzirah flips the script and says, oh, you need to be on all the time. You want to be good, you got to be on all the time. It tells us, you need to be eating clean, you need to be eating mindfully, you need to be working out, you should be praying and learning Torah, you should be going to Shul, you got to do all this stuff every day. You got to be on it every day, right? You need to be productive every moment. You can't waste or neglect or fail or fall for a minute, right? And the Yetzirah here, makes us think that we need to be perfectionists. <laughs> it's trying to tell us we need to be on all the time. You need to feel spiritual, you need to feel connected, you should be happy and content, and you can't give into the physical, you can't give into the material. Listen, it's a plain lie. Yes, we have these goals of what we want to become, but all that, that the Yetzirah is saying is a plain lie. It's a scheme to make us feel down, depressed, and upset, right? So, so for example, how should we be thinking? How do we, how do we battle the Yetzirah? Very simple. If you don't know Torah today, did you at least pray? Okay, you didn't learn Torah. Did you do some mitzvot? Can you get five minutes of learning in now? We can't get down and out that we didn't learn, right? Like, like even if we didn't learn in a week, okay, what good did you do this week? What good did you do today? Can, can you learn a little now? Every minute matters. The Yetzirah makes us upset if we made a resolution, let's say, to learn an hour a day, and if we only do a half hour, it's like we failed. It's nonsense. We need to just feed ourselves spiritually whenever and whenever we can, right? Okay, we didn't go to the gym. Uh, can we do 10 push-ups now and some jumping jacks? Did we eat healthy at least? We, we, we don't... The key is we don't need to do everything every day. We need to do something every day. I like that. Let's, let's, let's repeat that. We don't need to do everything every day. We need to do something every day. It's not about doing everything always. It's about doing something always, right? So, so based on what we said, we need to do something every day to feed our souls so we don't starve and, and, and so that we can at least replace the bad behavior. But we shouldn't let the Yetzirah get us bananas, right? If we're, if we're struggling to do everything we want to be doing. Um, we got to just give it enough. We need to sustain ourselves, right? Because like we said, if we don't feed our souls even a little bit, then no matter how much physical we're going to do, we're going to feel empty. No matter how much material success we have, we're going to feel like we're lacking. And, and, and all it takes is a little. We're not talking about a ton every day. That would be great. But at least let's do some. That's the goal. And if we really can't get to the spiritual, let's say you're on a business trip and there's no time to learn at all, right? Or you can't eat healthy at all, or you can't have a long prayer that you want to do, right? We have to find the spirituality in the physical. We have to remind ourselves why we're on the business trip, right? To fulfill the mitzvah of work, to make money, to support our family, to do limtzvot, to give charity, to do our hishtadlut and strengthen our emunah bitahon. We have to realize work's an opportunity to do the right thing in tough situations. We need to prove ourselves to Hashem, right? To not take the extra money the buyer made a mistake on, give the money back. Be honest, right? Don't look at what's not supposed to be yours, right? Or don't look at what you're not supposed to do if you're in a business meeting and there's uh, things uh, you're not supposed to be looking at, right? Or with the food example, right? Remember why you're eating what you're eating, right? And don't just don't just throw it all out the window because it's not clean food, like you're on your diet where you're not indulging. No, uh, oh heck with it. I broke my diet. I'm going to eat everything. No, recognize where the food came from. Thank Hashem for it. Eat a little, whatever you need, right? Release the holy sparks from it. Say berkatam think a few words of Torah on the table. Something. And then the prayer example if you can't have a long prayer okay say a few words of personal prayer to yourself to Hashem right throughout the day while you're on the run just just do anything to connect and feel it that's 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 the whole point here because what the Yitzvah wants to do The reason the Yetzirah wants us to think that we need to be all or nothing, right? Either fully enjoying the physical, indulging and stimulating, or fully being a Hasid, Gamud is because the Yetzirah wants us to delay doing the good, right? It wants us to delay from feeding the 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 spiritual, so that we can't see clearly, right? And that and that gives us less of a chance to succeed. Um, It wants to control us, the Yetzirah. So we can't let the idea of "oh, I'll work on spirituality later on in life," right? We can't let that get us, because how common is that idea, like? Oh, I'll serve Hashem and do the mitzvot and go to shul and learn after I make a million dollars, right? After I'm successful in business. Uh, Once I close this deal, first, you know, I need to focus on work. I need to focus on my career. I need to earn enough money to support my family and support my lifestyle, my wife, my children, myself. And then... Once I'm comfortable, once I'm secure and I, have, and I have peace of mind and I have financial stability and security and, you know, a rainy day fund in the bank and I have more time and flexibility and my schedule opens up and on and on and on, right? I'm just coming up with things on and on. Then I'll enjoy and commit and focus on mitzvot and spirituality and all that other stuff, right? Right now it's work 24-7, you know, or, or, or another thing is I, I need to see the world, right? I need to get it all out of my system, before I settle, right? I, I, I wanna party, I wanna travel, right? We always hear these things. It's like, it's like, I need to do all this as much as I can while I'm young. Fine, fair, great, beautiful, okay. But just make sure you know the cost. Just make sure you know what the price is that you're going to pay. The more we put into the physical, the less we experience the joy of the spiritual. Now, now again, a person might say, okay, great, I don't care, so, so fine. I won't have the pleasure of prayer and Torah and holiness and connection and all that, but that's fine. I don't need that or want that right now. I'll have the pleasure with everything else, with the world, with traveling, with living, everywhere else I'll have pleasure. Problem is, it's not true, right? We won't experience the pleasure everywhere else because spirituality is prevalent within everything and can only be enjoyed when we're in the right spiritual state. Like we said, we won't experience the contentment in life in other areas of life, e- even even like even little like moments with the family, or motivation in work, or discipline to have a good schedule, or strength and confidence and courage to to take action in our life. We're not going to be able to do it. At the end of the day, our souls fuel our lives. So if the soul is empty. We won't have the confidence or the courage or the strength or the power. We need to thrive. We'll care about what people say. We're going to care about what people think, what other people do. We'll have fears and anxiety and worries and doubts and confusion. We're going to have sadness and depression and irritability and anger and negativity and pessimism and ingratitude and jealousy and envy. I'm trying to think of every negative and arrogance and ego and pride, hoardiness. By the way... All these things feel horrible, they feel terrible, they feel painful, both to the body, the soul, and the mind. And and all these things is what results in a person who's spiritually empty and only focused on the physical. And the whole irony is then when we have all this pain and all this difficult, all these bad things then trigger us even more to indulge in the physical, right? We want more physical pleasure, we have more lusts, we have more addictions, and it's a vicious cycle. Um, and the reason we have all this negative emotion is because of the lack of spirituality. It blinds us. We can't see reality. We can't see real reality. And this is what we were sort of saying before. Like, we we don't see Hashem and everything. We don't see the positive or purpose in things. We're just sad and confused and frustrated and down, right? The analogy, I'll give you an analogy. It would be like if a person says, okay, so I won't enjoy eating broccoli and salad and fruit, but at least I'll enjoy chocolate, candy, and chips and love it. I, I'll eat healthy when I'm older, when I have to. Okay, great. Very nice. Except... Any doctor or nutritionist or really any human being with a semblance of common sense or education would tell you this person's going to have major issues, right? Beyond not getting the vitamins and minerals from from not eating your veggies, right? A person on this type of a diet is going to experience low energy, mood swings, fogginess, depression, and God forbid, eventually physical ailments like... Cavities, diabetes, or worse, right? And 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 that's and that's the whole point. Is on the spiritual side, it's the same idea. We need to feed our souls to survive. We need to feed the soul to thrive. If we save the spiritual for later, there might not be a later. If we save the spiritual until we have enough of the physical, I hate to break it to you, there might not be there might not be enough physical. We might never ever have enough of the physical because it's, it's, it, it's infinite. It's addictive. It's not satisfying. It's, there's no end in sight to it. We'll never feel comfortable or truly know when to stop to move on to the spiritual. We'll never think about it. We'll never truly feel like we have enough money not to worry or enough physical pleasure to move on so that we can do spiritual things, You just which is not. Plus, the more we do of these things, these physical things, the harder it's going to be to do the spiritual, right? At least we should do them in tandem. We're not saying to be a monk here. We're saying do both. Fine. You want to party in the club and pop bottles Okay, still go to Minyan and learn the next morning. You want to eat those cookies and cake after lunch? Okay, say the Berachot, but make sure to exercise later and eat a healthier dinner. Don't be all or nothing. It's the Yetzirah's way of depriving us from what we need. We need to realize what we want will come after we do what we need. That's a good one. I like that. We need to realize what we want will come after we do what we need. What do I mean? We can't say, I'll have bitahon after I make a million dollars. No, have bitahon and then you'll make a million dollars. Uh, let me have fun and then I'll learn Torah. No, no, learn Torah and then you'll have real fun. <laughs> when I make money, I'll be happy. No, be happy and then you'll make money, right? It, it, it's such a, play, you can play this game with anything, right? But the happy thing, I love it because there's a quote, not all successful people are happy, but all happy people are successful, right? And I'm not talking about the Forbes that's successful. I'm talking about real success, a thriving marriage, a strong family life, a connection to Hashem, to the self, uh, contentment, joy, meaning, fulfillment, strength, being yourself, right? Don't we all want to wake up and just be ourselves and be proud of it and be good at it? It starts here, it starts now, it starts now. So, so, so that's, that's, really, that's really the message. And we, and we need to be realistic. We need to also be understanding with ourselves based on where we are and where we're trying to get to. And what we need to do now is next steps, right? If a person has a goal to be healthy and happily married and successful in work and spiritual, depending where each thing is, he's gonna have to juggle them all simultaneously. It's not easy. And sometimes he's gonna lean into one and away from the other for a period of time and then switch over, right? If a person started a serious workout protocol, right? Where now every morning he's trying to get up, he wants to hit the gym early, the person's focus and discipline and willpower is gonna be predominantly going there. So, so... so that's where the spiritual focus is so he might not be able to you know go to shul every morning also or learn every morning also at the same time and that's okay and it's important to know this because as the person starts to see progress and feel good about himself in this new area of focus in this important task, right the yitzra is going to try to make him focus on the other important areas of his life that he might be neglecting or at the very least not focusing on right where it's on the back burner and, and the yitzra is going to try to make him feel bad and discourage him and make him fall right how many people start new diets and then when people compliment them they say yeah but I still have another 20 pounds to go. I really, I really need to start exercising, right? Or, or, or I ate healthy today, but I didn't work out today, right? Or even unrelated stuff, right? Like, yeah, I ate healthy today, but I didn't learn Torah. Okay, but you ate healthy today. So yesterday you learned for an hour, but you ate like trash and you felt horrible about yourself after and You sat with bloating and mood swings, which does you and others and Hashem no good. So, so what's the trade-off here? What's the goal, right? What's the purpose of all this? We're inching our way forward to the ultimate goal. Sometimes we lean more here, and sometimes we lean more there. Sometimes we need to focus on our family a bit, right? To get them through... Either a tough time or or join them in a beautiful celebratory time. And and then work takes a backseat for a little, right? And then sometimes work demands our attention and the family life takes a little hit, right? Sometimes we focus on work and it takes a toll on our health. And sometimes opposite, we need to focus back to our health and slow it down at work. It's a basic spiritual and psychological idea. I mean, even it's even psychological in the self-help world. I mean, read the book The One Thing. I think it's by Gary Keller. The whole book's about that. And and, and as we do these things, we need to expect things to get harder initially because the harder challenges are testing our qualifications to enter these higher levels. Living right, these healthier, happier lives. The challenges also train us to get stronger and better, and more effective, and experienced, and equipped to thrive at these new, new levels. And and many times, our struggles are signs that we're getting better and that we can handle more. and And that's the way we should look at it, right? Think about a trainer. The reason a boxing coach beats up his boxer is he wants to qualify the boxer to see if he could compete, right? He also wants to make the boxer stronger so he can handle bigger better opponents as he moves up the ranks, and, and, and he wants to push the boxer's limits so the boxer can handle more and thrive more. And it's the same thing, right? Hashem's our coach, Hashem's testing our limits, he knows what we can do way more than we know what we can do, and he knows what we can do is more than what we believe we can do, right? So when the that says, wait, this hurts, it's uncomfortable, it's causing other things to go wrong, you're not even doing it right, you're not good enough anyway, and this Yitzhak that's just trying to keep you where you are, that's it, in the minor leagues, right? The I wants to keep you from leveling up. But at the same time, you can look at it, it's acting as your coach, why? Because as you fight it, you're gonna get stronger, right? As we fight the etc., we get stronger, we could do more, and as we overcome it, we become greater. Now, it also becomes greater, right? Because it has to keep up with us, to keep motivating us, but but that's only if we fight it, right? We can't let it shut us down, and, and the advantage of feeding the spiritual and doing everything we said about living spiritual first and physical second is that we understand this deeply and we can trek on, right? And we know how to handle the etc. we know how to handle the challenges, we won't quit, we'll thrive through the struggle, we'll strive through the challenge, right? We'll have wisdom and knowledge and understanding that we're progressing, And then all this challenge and difficulty becomes encouraging to us instead of discouraging, right? It becomes motivating instead of deflating. And it's worth it. We realize, wow, this is worth it. It's actually a good sign. It's actually the key to my success. So with a spiritually fed soul, we deeply know and understand that the obstacle is the way and, and, and we enter an empowered state where the greater the resistance, the greater the obstacle and the greater the obstacle, the greater our desire becomes to succeed and the greater our ambition is and efforts and, and all that, the greater the, the, the success is that we'll see, right? Whereas a person unfortunately indulging in physicality won't see any of this, right? Someone who's so immersed in physical indulgence, he doesn't feel any of this. He buckles at the first feeling of pressure. He panics. He shuts down right? The pain, the resistance, the discouragement, and it's because the physical indulging is blinding the spiritual clarity necessary to look at the world in the way we're talking, in the constructive, productive way. The physically immersed person just keeps falling and falling and getting down on himself in the process. He, he quickly loses hope in himself. He loses hope on Hashem. He loses hope on the world in the process and becomes more enslaved to his physical desires and stimulants, right? The person can't see clearly because his soul is starving. So he can't see the good in everything. He can't see the purpose of everything. And you know, how is this for the best? How is this for my good? What's the step? forward the guy's in darkness his soul's concealed because he's too busy feeding his body and his materialism and physicality so his soul's starving and can't see straight right if only the person would take a leap of faith knowing that although he doesn't understand right he can believe without understanding and and he understands that this truth and benefit the spirituality and you know if he just feeds his soul a little bit the fog will start to dissipate the concealment will lessen and he'll start to see clearly he'll start to understand and and, and start to truly live. And, and, and this this is the key because now this person's, as this person leans a little bit into the spirituality and leans out of the physicality, this newly acquired sharpness and judgment and clarity of mind will help him, will help him with his decisions, his thoughts, his speeches, these, and ultimately his life will be better and more pleasurable day to day through the helping of his spirit, right? Like suddenly he doesn't need alcohol or sugar or drugs or coffee to feel high. He feels high and good just being alive, just going about his day and his goals. Suddenly this person sees how what seemed bad was actually good, what seemed bad was for his best, and how the obstacles and challenges and pain is there to guide him and make him better and help him atone for his sins. And and, 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 that's, and that's the other crucial piece of making sure, right, that the spiritual is intact. It allows us to see. We can see how we're truly souls living in a body, living in a spiritual world, disguised in physicality. And, and, and that's why we said before, if you remember, uh, Torah learning is so important because it, it, it feeds us all. And it allows us. It allows us to know that we're truly spiritual beings that happen to come with physicality. And by the way, this happens in the world too. The world, like we just referenced, is a spiritual world with physicality in it. It might sound philosophical, but it's actually very real. That's why, if God forbid a person is sick, right, science and nature might say he's finished. Take the medicine and hope for the best. It's not true. There's prayer, there's Torah learning, there's mitzvot, there's emunah, there's bitahon, right? There's spiritual things we could do. There's spiritual laws in the world where the things we think, the things we say, and the things we do actually have a tangible effect on the physical world. That's why things like Torah learning and prayer and emunah are so important because their effects are real. When we pray, when we learn Torah, actual things happen. Spiritual energies and forces are triggered, and there are real effects. And that's because Hashem runs the world, right? Whether we like it or not, whether we choose to believe it or not, that's the case. So we can choose. Do you want to see the world physically or spiritually? It's like the guy with the cup before, like we said, right? Do we want to believe everything's up to nature and statistics and odds and people with money and government and influence and doctors and lawyers and bankers? Or do we want to live a life that we believe Hashem runs everything, period, end of story and experience that reality? Right? Do we want to feel hopeless or do we want to utilize the power of prayer and faith to live a good life? The, the, the bottom line is reality is reality and we can choose whether or not we want to accept it and use it to our advantage. Right? I could point to a chair and say it's a chair, but if the person in front of me doesn't want to accept that it's a chair, no matter how much I try to prove it, and no matter how true the fact is that it is in fact a chair, if the person doesn't want to believe it's a chair, he won't, and guess what? He won't have a place to sit. Right? For the person to have a place to sit, he first has to believe it's a chair. So Similarly, for us to live a happy, healthy life of thriving, we need to accept, understand, believe, and know that there's Hashem, that's this world that's spiritual, it's governed by spiritual laws, it's more real than physical laws, and it's our choice to use it or not. We could either not believe it and continue on struggling through life's turbulence, or we could grab onto prayer and Torah and Mitzvot and Emunah and watch ourselves rise to great heights. It's, it's that simple. So I want to conclude here. I went way over my time limit. I went on a lot of tangents, but I think it's useful. I hope you guys made it this far. I mean, the bottom line of this audio is really we're spiritual beings, right, with physical bodies. We cannot neglect our souls inside of us. That's what dictates our lives, including the physical. And for us to feel happy and content and well and successful, we need to invest in and feed and lead with our spirituality. This means less indulging in addictions and cravings and pleasures, more immersion in the spiritual, learning Torah, going to classes, doing mitzvot, doing chesed, doing personal prayer, you name it. Of course, also exercising and eating well and surrounding ourselves with good people, whatever it is, it, it just replacing the trigger with positive action rather than negative. And all it takes is a little. We need to remember that. The Yetzirah is gonna try to tell us you gotta be all or nothing. And you stink if you don't do it all. It's not true. It's trying to disconnect us from the clarity of mind that we need to have to successfully navigate life. And if we could just slightly change the way we think and the way we speak and the way we act, even if it's 10 minutes, right? 10 minutes of learning a day. Uh, Pause work for 10 minutes the same and Ha. Uh, Wake up a little earlier to make it to Shul, right? These little things are going to ultimately help us improve and walk around happy and healthy and and, and be well. And, And although we're not there yet, right, like we said earlier and in our last audio about judging ourselves favorably and finding within ourselves the little good that we have, it's important to know that we need to be patient with ourselves also, patient with the process and the path, patient with the progress, right, of going from who we are to who we are working on to become. Shavua Tov. I wish everyone an unbelievable week. Let's all go get it. Thanks.